Hey, before we get started, let's be sure and say hello and thank you to our sponsor, the good folks at HoodmanUSA.com, makers makers of the Hoodman Loop, as well as many other fine products. Uh, but uh, the Hoodman Loop is what we're talking about uh, right now because I'm a big fan of the Hoodman Loop, and I've been using the Hoodman Loop now for, well, pretty much since my career started in photography. Just what as an aside, like this is, we don't just, we get offers for people to sponsor products on the show on a fairly regular basis. Yes. And, like, and so we're not just, we don't just go, yeah, okay, we'll take money and do that. That is not what our show is about. But we had the opportunity here to work with Hoodman uh, offering to sponsor a few episodes of the show. And it's a product that you especially really love and believe in. So we're not going to bring stuff to you that is not awesome. Yeah, there are some, yeah, there are some people if they, if they say, hey, we want to sponsor the show. I'm like, great, because I love talking about your product. <laughs> so, <Yeah. laughs> so it's going to be very easy for you to sponsor the show. And Hoodman is one of those people. I love the Hoodman. Loop. I use it nonstop. If you've never heard of the Hoodman Loop or never used one, it's a loop, which is a cover that goes on the back of your camera LCD so that you can look down close and see very clearly, full size and beautiful, what's on your LCD. This is crucial if you are working in bright sunlight because you cannot see your LCD. It's also crucial if you wear reading glasses because the uh, loop is has a diopter and you can dial in your reading glasses up to plus three power. So you get right down on the lens and you can see it uh, right down the LCD and you can see it perfectly clear. And they also have this great thing uh, called the Hood Link, which is a retractable Kevlar cord that you put on your belt with the Hoodman loop on it. You can also hang it around your neck like an old school director, but you can put it on your belt and you just pull Hollywood. It, you just pull it out and you put it on the back of your camera and you look and make sure your picture's dead solid and then you let it go and it zips right back to your hook your hip. I wear one. I can't function without it. I carry it with me everywhere I go and it's just it's invaluable to me and uh, they're fantastic. They're well made. They're glass construction encased in heavy duty rubber and you just really can't go wrong with a Hoodman loop. And we are going to give one away. Yes, it's even better than just talking about it. We're giving one away. We are going to give one away. So all you have to do to sign up to potentially win the Hoodman Loop, which we'll be doing in, I think, like one more week. We're only doing uh, four weeks of signups for this, and then we're going to be giving it away. So we will be giving it away next week. Right? So this is your last chance. This is your last chance to sign up for the Hoodman Loop. Just go to photobombpodcast.com slash giveaway, and you can sign up to win yourself a Hoodman Loop and a Hood Link, which is a... $100 $100 value. More than $100, I believe. Yeah. So it's uh, it, it's pretty good deal. And not to mention, it also now comes in two pieces, the Hoodman Loop, so that well, if you change cameras, you only have to change the $30 bit instead of the whole $90 apparatus, which is a pretty cool, very customer-friendly innovation. So check that out. Go sign up. Doesn't cost you anything. Enter the contest, and uh, maybe you'll win a Hoodman Loop. Yeah, I really, I could seriously, I wouldn't, I wouldn't. You'd have to pry it from my cold dead hands. I use and it I will. constantly. When when <laughs> you die, it, I will take it. I use it constantly, and it's very rugged. And believe, and if you've seen how I treat my equipment, you know I destroy everything. But the Hoodman, man, it takes will, it all. I will pry open your coffin, and I will pull it from your dead hand. <laughs> It'll and, be right uh, there in the middle of the funeral, like in front of all your loved ones, I will be prying that thing right out of your hand. To save a hundred bucks, I will desecrate your corpse <laughs> to have my own Hoodman loop. Absolutely. But you don't have to desecrate a corpse. All you got to do is go sign up and you could possibly get one without having to horrify Bure's children and his widow. You are listening to the Photobomb Podcast with the world's greatest photographers, Bure and Gary. Welcome to the Photobomb Podcast. My name is Bure Perry, and joining me as always is Gary Hughes. Good morning, my friend. Have you ever had an awkward encounter like, do you know where a, where like a hug goes wrong or like the, the handshake goes wrong and then afterwards you're thinking about it for a while? Like that, that person is, are they feeling as weird as I am about that thing yes. that just happened? This is this is almost a daily occurrence in my life. Yes, this is this is one of the reasons that I I don't hug that much, and people are starting to come around to the idea that I don't hug that much. If I hug you, you are somebody I've known for a while. You are you know what I mean. But I'm not just to hug somebody when I meet them the first time or even see them the second time. I'm a handshake guy, and even then, I can be nervous about the handshake because you miss the shake a little bit, you know, or that that's a little limp, or your hands a little too high, and there's a whole world of problems. But I'm guessing you've had a problem. I'm a big I'm a big high fiver. I'm an advocate of the high five. Like when people come in for a hug, I will hold up my hand as if to say stop and high five me instead. High fives are the worst. Yeah. No, they're the first of all they're it's, it's the like high five a, is so bad. It would be described as the high five is the high five 
of the handshake world. That's how bad it is. <laughs> I would use high five to describe other bad things. Well, like you never know how, like a hug could go bad in so many ways. Like yes. maybe you, you you squish a boob or somebody's, you know, some dude's thing touches your leg. There's the dreaded reach around where some reach, where, where uh, you, you you hug it. You, your arms are too long and gangly. They come too far around, and then you touch the boob on the opposite side. That's that's awful. Or you lean in for the side hug, and the other person realize you realize the other person didn't want to hug, and they turn their head so far away from you. Yeah. That, <laughs> So, so what happened was, is I had this great shoot with a phenomenal new client yesterday, and she was fun, and she was nervous about having her picture taken. She was recommended by another client, and then we just had a great rapport, and the pictures turned out really great, and she was so, so pleased. Just one of those clients who was so, so, so happy, and she saw the photos before we left. I typically would shoot tethered and show people the photos, and she was so thrilled, and then I was walking out, seriously was shooting the woman for 30 minutes, walking out the door. I reach out to shake her hand, and she grabs my hand, and she pulls it like almost like she's going to kiss it, and she pulls it up to her face. And then, like, okay. rubs her face <laughs> on my hand, it. like, like, like she wanted a hug, but instead she decided to nuzzle the back of my hand. <laughs> I feel like I feel like this is a woman who, in that moment, really felt the need to express some affection to you, and and simply shaking your hand wasn't going to be enough for her. Yes, but it was like a awkward man. It was a failure to launch because I would have just I, I misread the situation, and I, I really should have just given her the hug. You know, but I'm so because I'm alone in the studio most of the time, and so oh, yeah. and when I, and when I work with women in the studio, I'm very I do very do everything I possibly can not to physically touch them, like because I, I shoot with a lot of two a lot of models, a lot of people who are 16, 17, 18, 19 years old, and it's like I don't want I my my belief is and listen up, men photographers, uh, and men in general, you are at least 50% creepier than you think you are to the opposite sex. However that's accurate. Creepy, I think that's very accurate. <laughs> however creepy you think you are to the opposite sex, double it. And just to be safe, double it again. Yeah. And behave as if you are actually that creepy because that's how creepy you are to the opposite sex. So I try very much to be you know, very non-sexual and non-physical and not to touch them. And so sometimes that causes weird things like getting a weird face nuzzle on your hand. I've never gotten a face nuzzle before. Yeah, so the that's, face uh, nuzzle. That's nice. That's nice. It was. You know what I like is uh, Bobby and I are watching. Um, what's that? Uh, that horrible. Ho- We've got three thousand channels and streaming. And we are determined to watch the absolute worst programming we can find. That's what we've. That seems to be where we've gone. And we're watching what is it? Love Island, which is a British show. I've heard of this. Yeah, and so I've they heard, take a bunch it, of. This is the Jersey Shore oh, of British awful. television because people talk awful. about it. Yeah. It is the high five of television shows. It's awful. Yes, it is. Thank you. <laughs> and um, what they appear to do is everyone they meet, they do the double kiss. Right. Very European. The double European kiss. And I think, wow, the, the potential for problems there, I would think, was really. Or is it? Or is, in fact, is it less potentially dangerous than the hug because of the full body contact potential of the hug? Whereas the to either side once you've got that down it's like a handshake everybody knows which side the head breaks and and it becomes very simple like do you go left what if you both go left at the same time like no i think that they know everyone goes everyone goes left you go to your left okay first all right i just don't understand why we have to have this contact i I, and and i'm a contacted guy i like touching people sure i like it when people touch me gary of course you do. But I don't understand why we have to have this contact. Like, I have no problem. When, when I came to see you in, in Orlando, I see you, hey, little, you know, guy hug real quick, whatever. We're talking. Two or three people walk over that I know from seeing them at convention and stuff. I have no problem just going, hey, what's up? I don't. Yeah. I don't have to reach out and grab them and embrace them. I have no problem with not touching. Uh, see, it, there, there's just this archaic ritual of you have to do something to signify the beginning and the end of an yes. interaction. Yes. So it says now we are engaged with one another, and now that engagement has ended. And just so you, can, I guess that's so that it now it's okay to walk away from the person. I'm not really sure, but uh, yeah, I'm bad at it. I'm so bad at it that I I have decided that I'm just going to do awkward high fives forever because i would rather people think boy he's a little weird than he touched my boob here's the thing i resent is that by everyone doing the hug we've now co-opted the hug and there is nothing left to do with the person who you genuinely have an endearment for 
and you want to elevate them in a way that, you know, like I would hug you or I would hug Julie before I say goodbye because y'all are closer friends to me, and, you know? And, and you and I have spent thousands of hours talking There's, to each but other. But you're saying something to, to somebody where you're like, where, where you're like, okay, I'm not going to see you for a while. I want to give you a hug. It's a way of saying you're a little more special to me than every person I meet on the street. But if you're hugging every person on the street, then it's, we, uh, can we go back behind the dumpster here and have a quickie? I need to let you know you're special to me. I mean, what's I mean, because because the hug has been taken by I I had to literally hug the garbage man today when I said goodbye to him. So just hugging you isn't going to be enough. We've got to go one step further. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying, where is it going to stop? Can we just reserve the hugs for like family members and close close friends? Well, for you and I, would you like to start the double kiss? I'm just saying. We should, we we should, we should start the double I? kiss just in public around people. Every time we see each other, we're just like, oh, okay, and do the double mm-hmm. kiss. It'll be great. Yeah. And not remark on it, not ever mention it to anyone, just start doing it. <laughs> Dude, okay, I got it. This, will me- this, this is the best way to mess with people. You and I will just full-on kiss on the lips every time we see each other, and then never speak of it. Like, like a reunion never re- at the airport. <laughs> That's, That's the perfect. level of our friendship. We have to we have to express ourselves physically in a greater way. And since the hug has been taken by everyone, we'll just fa- straight straight on kiss on lips, but more of like a more of like a prune kiss, not an avocado kiss, like a prune. <laughs> okay, nothing. No prune open versus mouth. avocado. I mean, obviously, what's going to happen is it's going to take the prune kiss, closed mouth, like prune avocado. Ah, okay, that's the two. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> You kiss your wife avocado, you kiss your mother with a prune mouth. That's how it's yeah. done. I, I just like a good old-fashioned handshake is fine. And, 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 and with women, too. I have no problem just shake a woman's hand the same way I would a man. We're all equals here. I'm okay with the Howie Mandel. Just fist bump people. Here, just fist bump. There you go. Uh, the fist, fist bump, bump is right behind, right behind the high five. Now, I, I do. I put this to you, sir, that the fist bump is worse than the high five. The fist bump is like, especially if you're no. over 35, the fist bump is someone who's trying too hard to be cool. High yeah. five is like, hey, that was cooler in the 80s. We'll bring it back. No, I guess, okay, if you think that's the case with the high five. For me, the high five just has been uncool all along and has never gone away. I, God, I disagree. But also, here's the thing about the high five. It will really go down the tubes if you ever have that person in your life who you're not really fond of and they act like you're their buddy, buddy, buddy and they want to high-five you all the time, quickly the high-five will just become poison to you. <laughs> because in every, every other word is, ah, and the hand goes up, ah, and you just want to go, I don't like you. Stop. <laughs> I don't want to high-five you. I don't like you. That's High-fiving it, is literally the first thing you teach a baby, right? Yeah, high five. There you go. High-five. And I'm still a fan, though. Because guess what? Everybody <laughs> no. smiles when you get a high five from a baby. High fives are awesome. When a baby high fives you, you're like, yes. Here's what I, here's what I am okay with. Not the high mm. five. But if you want to do the top bottom high five, a la volleyball game in Top Gun. Oh, yeah. yeah there yeah. you go. The pop pop. Playing now, with yeah. the boys. There Kenny Loggins special. Ah, danger zone. Yeah. <laughs> then I'm okay. Danger zone. Yeah. Then I'm okay. But just the yeah, regular right. high, the high five is just way too preppy a-hole that seems uh, a lot to coordinate though that double round top bottom high five and then of course we'd have to have jean shorts and no shirts on and then we could then we could probably do it grease ourselves up jean shorts jean shorts seem to be coming back by the way no they weren't wearing jean shorts by the way in top gun they were just wearing long jeans which i i never got that shirtless and blue jeans playing sand volleyball yeah, it seems like it would really restrict your uh, your ability to move quickly. Yeah, not to mention you don't want to get sand inside your jeans. Uh, definitely not. No. So no. did they not own shorts? I'm I'm pretty sure that it was just the '80s. I think I'm yeah. pretty sure that's why. Yeah. So I I definitely own a pair of jean shorts. I do, and I wear you them. Do. Often. <laughs> do you I really? wear them often? Yeah, I, I do. do. All, I burned all of mine a few years ago in a in an act of I'm not going to be the guy wearing jean shorts. Well, they don't have a, uh, a, a hammer loop on them or cargo pockets. They're just jean shorts. I love like, a good pair of carpenter's pants. Oh, God. No, thanks, man. I'm, like, you're not, I'm not using those pockets. That's just for show. Oh, I don't, I've, never, I've never used a pocket in my, in my uh, cargo shorts in my life. Yeah, no. Why? Well, yeah, exactly. What are, you, what are you saying with a cargo pant or a cargo short? What are you saying? It's like, hey, I got more pockets, and I'm not even going to use them. Like, no. What statement is that making? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know, Gary Hughes. The only statement it makes is, I don't listen to my wife when it comes to my yeah, clothing that's, selection. that's a good statement. 
or I am un- as yet unmarried. That's what it means. Because once you're married, your wife is going to start working on the cargo shorts. They're going to work on the cargo shorts until you give up the cargo shorts. That's what they do. Exactly. I have a question for you. I need your expertise. I'm here for you. Your metaphor expertise. Okay. I good. want you to put some thought into this. You can, mm-hmm. you can take a day and come back to me. I will, and then okay. we'll, and we'll I, pause I, I, recording I'm going to the give you the situation, yeah. okay. and I want you to tell me what the exact perfect metaphor is for this. Okay. All right. I'm at a party. I meet somebody, and she says, oh, my sister's going to be here later, and I really want you to meet her because she's really into photography. And I said, okay. So then the sister shows up, and oh, yeah, I'm, I'm great. I'm great. Great. I'm going to talk to you. Oh, you want to talk to me? Great. And she's like, yeah, I'm really into photography, and I got a camera, and blah, blah, blah. And I go, that's great. And she goes, so, so I, just, I hope maybe I could ask you a question. I said, okay, a couple of questions. Go ahead. She goes, okay, so like, how do you make it so that the background is really blurry? So what I need is a metaphor for what that is. The person who says they're really into photography, and their first question is basically, I don't know what aperture is or depth of field or anything about the exposure triangle, but I'm really into photography, and they ask you how to do this one thing that is like the simplest first thing you would learn if you were into photography. That is to photography what blank is to blank. It's like what all your friends who say they're into politics are. <laughs> they just well, read no, the headlines. <laughs> I was thinking more along that, like, it's like someone who says, I'm really into cars. Let me ask you a question. How do you turn? <laughs> obviously you're not that into it if you don't know much yeah, about it exactly you know? that's what i'm saying like like i i thought the car i thought of the car metaphor and i thought you know gary you give him a minute and he's going to come up with a diaper in the parking lot metaphor that's going to blow this away all i can think about is hipsters and like gmos you know what i mean it's like yeah gmos are bad why i don't know <laughs> okay that's fine yeah you know like people who people who are really into the idea of a thing and and don't actually know anything about the thing, right. you know. Like it, it would be like somebody who's like really into saving the environment, but they just litter all the time. <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I I feel like there's a perfect metaphor. I'll get uh, it I'll, I'll in the world for this. Well, well, first of all, am I wrong? Am I wrong in assuming that if you say I'm really into photography, I take pictures all the time, and I'm really into photography, that you should have like day one or day two, you should have, how, how much should you be expected to know minimum if you advertise yourself as someone who's really into photography? There's the question. Hello, listeners. There's the question. I got how it. Much? I got it. I got it. It's like moms who wear athletic clothes and never go to the gym. <laughs> it's like, All right. That might it's, be it. It's like, it's yoga pants. It's yoga pants. It's athletic. It's cashletic clothes. It's like, I wear tank tops and yoga pants and sporty shoes and I walk around and I never go to the gym. That's exactly okay. what it is. It's like, okay. a, it's like someone who really looks like they're into fitness, but they never work out. Okay. All right. But let's go to my bigger question, which I think is a good one. What's the minimum if a person says to you, if, if, you, could, if you could make a universal rule, if you were king, Gary? Oh, okay, I'll be the king. And you said, new universal rule, you cannot say I'm really into photography unless you know at least blank. What an aperture is. Okay, okay. <laughs> is that it? I don't know. What an aperture is or also what effect, an a- or what effect aperture has on your photograph because most people might know, oh, it's the size of the hole, but they don't know the effect it has on depth of field. Right. Okay. So, I mean, that's pretty common. There are probably a million, billion, trillion people out there who have nice cameras or even their phones that take wonderful pictures that don't understand the significance of, let's say, the portrait mode in their camera and their phone. You know, why? Well, what, what does blurring the background do? And how does right. that work? And why is that a thing? And so. But this is why I'm asking in a world where you could make the rule, in a and world. you could say, in a world where you world. could say, you're not allowed to say you're into photography. Unless you at least know blank. Because I can tell you, for me, it's the exposure triangle. If you don't know ISO, shutter speed, aperture, and its effects on your image, you're not allowed to say you're into photography. Because if you're into photography, if you're really into photography, you should at least have taken the time to learn how a camera works. 
Well, I think that there's a difference between being into photography, the art, craft, and science, and someone who likes to take pictures. There's a totally different thing. You say, oh, you're not into photography. You like to take pictures. But making that distinction with somebody on the spot, like if you had said to that woman, oh, you don't know anything about photography. Like you're, you can't there, – there's no such thing as being really into something that you know nothing about. You know, that's not being really – that is the opposite of being yeah, really, really into that's something. my point. That's my point. So I'm saying right now we're making the rule – and we're saying that you can say, I, I love pictures. You can say that all day long. But if you're going to say, I'm into photography, I'm really into photography, what is the very least I should expect you to know in our world where we get to make all the rules? Yeah, I'd, I'd, okay, exposure triangle's fair. Yeah. Okay, yeah. exposure triangle. Yeah, so you need yeah. to understand shutter speed and its effect on shake. You need to understand ISO and its effect on grain. And you need to know aperture and its effect on depth of field. Or, or you should at least understand the concept that these controls exist <laughs> separate, separately from one another. That there are other, right. other ways to use uh, to take pictures besides just pointing a camera at it and letting the machine do all the work. You should at least be vaguely aware of that concept and have a, a passing interest in figuring out what that's all about. You know, because there are photographers who are working and getting paid to do photography that don't understand the exposure triangle. You know what I mean? And they're really into it. Your, your level of mm. understanding the thing that you're doing, I would say you have to be trying to actively understand stuff. And here's my than, thing. You know. If you're trying to actively understand stuff, then day one, you, you decide, I'm really into photography. Day two, you learn the exposure triangle. That's my, that, that's my point. Unless I'm catching you on the very day that you decided you were going to be into photography, you should have, figured, you should have read about aperture and shutter speed and ISO. Yeah, so I've been really getting into photography lately, you know? Oh, really? When did that start? Like, like today? Okay, in that case, <laughs> I, it's okay that you don't know what aperture is. That's but if fine. you've been into it for like a week, then you should know what aperture is. It's like if it, I was it, like, you know what I'm really into, Gary? I'm really into the Civil War. Love the Civil right? War. Like the, the two sides, those two guys were fighting, the two sides and... Uh, I think vaguely one more blue and one more gray, I think. What? Whoa, what? what? Wait, let me write that down. <laughs> what? Who? Okay, wait, wait. Back up. One side wore what color? Blue. <laughs> All right, blue. All right, blue. And then the other side was? Uh, gray. Does it matter which side I'd have which wear, side wearing what? Nah, it's fine. It's, okay. it's all the same. That's all what same. it would be like if you were a Civil War guy and I suddenly came to you and said I was into the Civil War. Yeah, yeah. Like, I yeah. don't even know. What, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know there was a North and South. I don't know what color they wore. I don't know what they fought about. I don't know where they fought. But I'm really into the Civil War. Yeah, that would that would that would be like basically somebody who owns a guitar running into Eric Clapton at a party and going, "So I've been really into guitar lately. What about you? Oh, no, I, I dabble, you know, just a bit, yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. All right, so we'll say that you you are not into photography unless you have a broad understanding that there are controls that affect the way. I just wish there were look. levels. Like I never say I'm a musician. You can't and like, I never say I'm a guitarist. A hobby. I say. Yeah, I can play a little guitar, but I never say I'm a musician or a guitarist because there are people who are musicians and guitarists, and I'm not one of those. Yeah, so that would be the equivalent of going like, oh, I have a camera. I like to play around with it. Uh, there and you I'm go. Get, or right. I, fine. So those of you out there, uh, just make sure you say, I'm thinking about getting into photography, not like I'm yeah. really, really I mean, they, they come at you like a beeline. They're just so excited to tell you how they're really into photography just like, like you. Like people who started CrossFit yesterday. Yes. <laughs> Oh, that's great. Oh, you're vegan too. Wow, how that's, that's really special. Like good for you. Man. Um that's awesome. Hey, it's time for us to do a, a retraction. Oh, okay. Uh in our in our new segment called Retractions. Retraction. It's a segment okay. that will appear when we have a retraction, as opposed yeah. to uh, a normal segment, which is every every show. But but I expect that most shows we will have a retraction. Right, right. This this segment exists because funny enough. Uh, just having uh, the equipment and the and the impetus to record something and put it on the internet doesn't automatically make you an expert in yeah. everything. And if you have any kind of an audience, you cannot make a mistake without someone pointing it out to you. So yeah. we've created this segment just to show you that we're human and we understand that we're not perfect. So uh, interesting note: next week's retraction may very well be that Gary has just misused the word impetus. Impetus. All right. So for the we, we don't know. The, Wait, it, could, it could be anything. I, could personally, I personally don't know because I don't know what that word means. So there's a yeah. good chance he just misused it. 
It's I'm the probably a science point to yes, almost a hundred percent certainty that that was used in the wrong context. So I'm looking for my grammar Nazis out there. Let's let's hear from it. Uh, so so this is a retraction for something we have not done on the show, but right. rather on the Facebook page. You posted a story on the Facebook page that yes. had anyone else done it, we would be making fun of you. Right, correct. <laughs> so go ahead and explain. Well, the it's an article. I, I I'm perusing the normal photography news websites, and one of the one of the this article popped up like you may be interested in this. And normally, I'm pretty good about checking the dates on things and making sure that the article is actually current. Posted an article about Fujifilm UK sparks outrage by trotting out a topless model at a GFX demo event, and it's actually a pretty funny story. Uh, you know, if you really, if you really think about it, and then of course, uh, good old, good old Pete Wright scoops in, uh, jump, swoops in to uh, point out that the story was two years ago, um, okay. which I, which I maintain doesn't make it less funny, because <laughs> 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 it's new to me. Because uh, you know, surprisingly, I don't think I knew about it unless we talked yeah, about. I don't know how we missed it. How well if if we already did talk about it and have forgotten, we're going to need to do that on retraction. There will be another retraction <laughs> that we actually talked about. A retraction this story about tra- two years. Uh, ago. So uh, so thanks. But I did ask the question: um, a topless model at a Fuji GFX event is it tone deaf scandal or is it art? And Randy Harris writes in. I think we have to make up our minds. On the one hand, conversation is the body is art and shouldn't be sexualized. The next day is that's demeaning to women. It literally can't be both ways. Personally, I think it's an unnecessary marketing tactic, but boobs have been used to sell products since the beginning of time, and I don't see that trend halting anytime soon. Is it demeaning? Think you would have to ask the ladies that were asked to walk out there. If they took this job on their own free will, it's for them to say how they feel about it in the end. My two cents, spend it wisely. Thank you, Randy. Appreciate that. That, what do you think, Boo? Well, that brings us to the age-old argument of are you demeaning a woman to sexualize her or are you demeaning a woman to say that you need to protect her from participating in sexualization when she chose to participate? No idea. That's, I'd probably just high-five her and leave the room. There you go. That's it. I just the <laughs> give her the European just... kiss on either cheek. <laughs> oh, no, not if she's luck. topless. No way. Well, it's always, it's always been it's all the way up to, you know, to sex workers. It's, the question has always been, you know, you know, this is demeaning to, woman, to a woman. Well, it's also demeaning to a woman to tell her what's demeaning to her. You know, doesn't, isn't there an argument to be made that a woman gets to decide for herself what's demeaning to her? And for you to do it for her is, in fact, demeaning. <laughs> so I don't, nah, nah, you know, I mean, it goes on and on and on. This is where I slowly back slowly away. back away from the conversation. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not coming down to either side of the issue. I just think it's a very interesting issue because no matter what you do, there's a way to say that in itself is demeaning. You know, I, so, I will, I will, I will let empowered women everywhere uh, handle this issue. Yeah, uh, and 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 just just let me know where to hold a sign in March. I'll be there. <laughs> I'm fine. Just yeah, tell me what I'll to show do. up. I, yeah. I, I have two daughters. You have two and and one, a third one coming. on the way. Yeah, so yeah. we were we are hardcore feminists. Uh, yep, yep. Yes. If 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 my daughters uh, wanted to em- empower themselves by uh, doing some stuff without a top on, I you know I probably wouldn't be my favorite thing in the world. But you know, they're 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 being brought up to take a charge of their uh, their own bodies, their own selves, and to not be ashamed of their their bodies, no matter what they are. And so. You know, I think it takes stuff like this as it comes. Uh, I wonder um, if the reaction to this by the uh, by the uh, guy who wrote the article initially wasn't a little strong, to be honest with you, because he was like, "How dare they? I'm ashamed. I'm leaving immediately, or whatever." And like, and I asked myself in that situation, would I stay? Not approving, and I certainly wouldn't photograph it. Would no. I stay? I would. Pro- I wouldn't leave. I would stay for the spectacle. To see how people reacted yes. to now this. Now you've created a show. Yeah, like, <laughs> I wouldn't, the popcorn because I want to watch I, the crowd. I guess I'm not a true feminist or a, or a good enough person to leave in outrage like the guy who wrote the article. I would, I would, I would absolutely just go, okay, and I'd watch the train slowly collide into yes. the other train. <laughs> well, you're able to detach yourself now from how it affects you, and instead enjoy watching how it affects others. Yeah, I'm not into outrage culture. You know, I'm not, I I rarely get outraged. I just enjoy, sometimes enjoy the show. Let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question because we joke about this all the time. But when it comes to image competition and you are judging, what do you, how do you feel about the, uh, the images that come up in image competition of the naked women? Well, usually (laughs) there's a, there's an old joke, uh, that I heard years ago. 
when a topless image comes up, a judge will go, there are two things I like about this image. Yeah. <laughs> That's a very old joke. But uh, I think you got to take it in context. There's a, there's, a, there's a long, long history of discussions of what is art and what is pornography. And I think that that's so, you know, relative. I, it's just not in my wheelhouse. And so I sort of try to judge it on its intrinsic qualities. And I always fall back on the elements. Like, is it tell a good story? Does it have impact? Are the technical qualities there? And, and, and just fall back on those 12 elements that make a strong image rather than get too caught up in the subject matter. Because sometimes subject matter should be provocative. And one of the one image right. that I saw that always sticks out in my head was it was actually photographed from the perspective of someone who had just been stabbed. And there are three demented-looking young men standing over them with, like, glee on their faces. And one of them has a bloody knife. And it was a really disturbing image. And there was a lot of conversation about this image on the panel. And at the end of the day, it was like, this. somebody created this, and it's really well done, and it's incredibly provocative, and you can't put something down just because you don't approve of the subject matter as long as it's in the rule, within the rules of the competition. Right. That's how I feel about it. So. My problem is that a woman with no shirt on is provocative and has impact even if she's poorly lit. So, you know what I'm saying? So, I, so in, in the way that a puppy is cute, even if he's poorly lit. So, uh, so I tend to discount that. So if you're going to show me a picture of a, of a topless woman or a puppy, then I want to see more than just the topless woman or the puppy in that picture. I want to see, you know, so I, in other words, you almost lose points on impact with me because yeah. you're, you're taking the easy way out. Oh, oh to- okay, yeah, boobs, great, impact. But, you know, but that's, it's like a trick. I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm being played. I, I wouldn't totally disagree with that. But uh, and, and, and anyway, so now we spent a lot of time talking about this retraction article from two years ago. <laughs> but it is an interesting subject. And I, I myself, not being a woman, don't know really where to draw the line. I know that I try very, my very best to always err on the side of respect and caution and listening rather than, you know, outrage or offense or or being too to the point where like yeah whatever like this is stuff that's just not like my area and so I will be happy to listen when things like this happen but outrage is not my default reaction to to anything no no it, you're not that I'm more I'm more likely to do that than you are oh you think <laughs> <laughs> hey so I think it's uh, time to move into uh, our our favorite segment it is time for photography news photography, photography news. news we're getting awfully good at that. That's great. Um, so in photography news, uh, I'm going to go ahead and delete the story about the topless model. Um, so there's a great story on F-Stoppers this week about um, the iPad OS. Apple is adding, has added some really cool features to the new iOS for iPads. They're going to actually make it useful for photographers, which is pretty cool. A couple of those things would be like the ability to plug in an external drive. And that external hard drive enable to load photos onto it or work off of it and a better file system to be able to manage and move files around and stuff. So it's actually going to be a little more like a computer with floating windows and stuff. So it could actually be a pretty cool thing. What it uh, th- You'll be fairly restricted to USB-C drives, which is kind of the way it's going and that's all right. Um, at the same time, you're going to get uh, you know a little problem with the size of the hard drive and how much power that it draws. So not all hard drives will work. So you're going to have to get hard drives that are going to be specifically suited for doing this type of stuff. But it's actually pretty cool, um, you know, a pretty cool addition. So if you're an, an iPad user or thinking about getting one, it could be if they keep adding features and bringing it into the world where, with pro photographers. And in addition, they're also going to be adding to the new uh, Mac OS and iOS the ability to use your iPad as a second monitor and even do your editing on it with the Apple Pencil built in natively into the iOS instead of having to use a third-party app. So it looks like that it actually could end up being over the next six months to a year and maybe even further out that the iPad could be a really reasonable alternative to for photographers to take with them when they're shooting on location and, and doing jobs on the road. Not to mention that Adobe has been promising for ages to add uh, functionality for layers and basically giving you a more robust version of Photoshop in for iOS and for mobile platforms. So all those things combined could mean that instead of taking you know more gear on the road, you could take an iPad, which would be a lot lighter and easier to get around when you're traveling and doing shoots on location. Add to that the ability to store your files on an external drive so it won't fill up your hard drive when you're on those, you know, three-week-long vacations to the Tetons or something to take landscape pictures. 
Looks like it could become a <laughs> Tetons. Tetons. <laughs> could be a reasonable opportunity uh, or uh, a reasonable alternative to taking heavier equipment with you. So it seems like that that would be something photographers pay attention to. Any interest uh, by you in taking sort of a tablet? You're not much of a tablet guy, are you? Have a you have kind of a phablet as a phone. I have a, yeah, I have a phablet, and it's not as fab as I'd like it to be. Uh, I have the <laughs> Galaxy nice. Note Nine. And the Note Four was my favorite. That thing was huge. Um, and so I like a big, I have big hands. I like a big, a big screen. But no, I had, I had them all. I had the eight-inch tablet. I had the ten-inch tablet. I have a laptop. I had all this stuff. And I have found that the big tablet, ten-inch tablets, they're too, uh, they're too big and heavy to use. You know, it's like if you're going to use something as big as a ten-inch tablet, you might as well just have a little laptop. It's going to do more for you. It's going to be more powerful. The really, the, the best tablets I think are like the eight-inch tablets or seven-inch tablets. The ones that are like medium size. You can hold it in one hand, surf, read a book with it or whatever, but it's still bigger than your phone. That's a good size. But once you go up to like a 10-inch, I think it's kind of, they're kind of unwieldy. And to, to people who want to work on a 10-inch, are like, I want to work a 10-inch, well, but I also need a keyboard. And then I'm going to need some external stuff to plug in to make this work. And, and the next thing you know, you got all this stuff. And you're like, you know, you could just bought a little Chromebook or whatever and gotten all the same. I'd probably been cheaper. Probably the, the thing I've heard that people talk about the most is using like a Microsoft Surface like those portable, like the Surface tablets. Pro, because it runs full yeah. Windows, external hard drives. You know, you can run full versions of Photoshop and Lightroom. So for photographers, I still believe that's probably the best uh, best option for something portable for portable computing for photographers. It's still so expensive though, because we need oh, the very yeah, best that- computer. That's what sucks is you can get such cheap laptops and stuff now, but we still need such extreme processing power for Photoshop that we've got to spend two grand if we want to get a decent laptop that we can work with on the road. Yeah, that's fair. That is fair. So uh, anyway, keep an eye on that. And uh, as as that progresses, and we'll post an, a link to that article on the Facebook page. If you're not following us on Facebook, facebook.com slash photobombpodcast, where we post a lot of the articles and stuff we talk about in the show. And you can let us know what you think about stuff like that. And now, uh, I think, when I have a story, another piece of technology. If you're not aware, there's a really cool, have you ever heard of the Loop Deck before? Yes, I think oh, this is the the little separate keyboard thing that takes over the controls on, on Photoshop. I was reading about it. Right, right. A loop deck is a really cool device. I know I have several friends that use this that speeds up the editing process by essentially just giving you a second keyboard that's pretty much all controls made for editing. And I believe it, also, it, it works for a lot of different things. But until recently, it did not really work well with Adobe Camera Raw. So for those of you who are bridge... Adobe Camera Raw editors, Loop Deck just uh, added uh, those tactile edits to Camera Raw for those of you who are using that as opposed to Lightroom. So that's pretty cool. I uh, I haven't used one, but I have a couple of friends that absolutely swear by them. And mm. the, especially people who are processing large amounts of images like wedding photographers and stuff, you can kind of fly through images. When it comes to Photoshop and Lightroom, one of the things I think slows people down the most is the repetitive motions of going and selecting certain tools and adjusting the opacity of brushes and things like that and not using the hotkeys that are built in. So this sort of can simplify that. So it's a pretty powerful tool. And you've never used one? I've never used one, but it's like a little deck and it's got dials on it and you can set those dials up. This is my contrast. This is my white balance. This is my... And so here's the thing. I think it would take so long to get used to it when you're... You and I are pretty fast in camera raw. Right. Yeah, I mean, I can blaze through some pictures pretty fast. So now you get that. Now you're going to find yourself looking down at it, which, okay, where's the dial for contrast? Where's the dial for it? Whereas if you're looking at your screen, you and I, we can just boom, boom, boom. We can do that stuff really quick with our mouse. So I feel like it's more of a benefit to somebody who's just getting started than somebody who's already gotten really fast at doing it with your mouse. But I think that if you got used to using it, it would be, it would be, here's the other side of it though. One of the things I like about working in camera raw is that I don't have to drag over another piece of equipment. Once it goes to Photoshop, well, now I've got to drag over the tablet so I can use my pen. But when I'm in raw, I don't drag over, it's like, that, that, that's like a barrier for me. Like with my client images, what you're going to see is stuff that I've done only in raw. I'm not dragging a piece of equipment into this. Well, now... If you're using a loop deck, you're dragging a piece of equipment in, even when you're just working stuff over. Well, I think that if you're if you're using your your Wacom tablet with the right hand, I think this would replace the keyboard position on your left hand. Basically, according to this article, this is kind of what it says: Loop Deck, the editing console originally designed for Lightroom, today continues its march to dominate multiple editing platforms with new integration with Adobe Camera Raw. On Wednesday, June 26, the Loop Deck announced compatibility between Adobe Camera Raw and the Loop Deck Plus editing keyboard. Loop Deck uses physical dials, wheels, and 
buttons to bring a more tactile and sometimes faster experience to photo editing. With today's update, the accessory now works with Camera Raw, Adobe's tool for converting and manipulating raw files. And it says, with the integration, Loop Deck Plus can work with all the basic adjustments inside Camera Raw, including exposure, contrast, and temperature. Loop Deck's color correction, HSL, hue, saturation, luminance tools are also compatible, along with tools for adjusting the tone curve. And Loop Deck Plus can be programmed to adjust split toning, lens corrections, effects, and camera calibration. So if you're using your mouse or your tablet to like go back and forth and select things and move things around, looks like this could probably speed things up a little bit. And I'm sure it has even more than that. But if you're out there and you're a Loop Deck user or something similar, let us know. How uh, much is it? Good question. Because that's the goal. That's going to be your ultimate. If it's I'm forty bucks, sure. If it's one hundred and forty, it's about two hundred fifty. No, two hundred fifty dollars US. No. Yeah. Not for me. Yeah. Forty bucks. Yeah. yeah okay. Well, that's the the Loop Deck Plus. I believe you can get an older version, and exists existing Loop Deck Plus users can gain the latest compatibility by updating the Loop Deck software. So, if you're a Loop Deck user, let us know. How cool that is. Like $250, though, you know? That's expensive. That is, at, at my local bar, that is 125 buds, Budweiser's. Yeah. $250. Bucks. <laughs> I can think of a lot of camera accessories I could get for $250. I could get a, I could, I could get a 8200, a Godox 8200 for that. I could buy a, a 0.02% of a Bitcoin for that. There you go. So yeah. By the way, know, for those of you who invest, it's been a crazy week in cryptocurrency, but that's not part of photography news. And then there's also a new article uh, posted on F-Stoppers, which I thought, because we've talked a lot about Canon and the way that Canon is going in creating cameras and stuff, and how a lot of people feel like they've really backed away from the pro market. And it, it, this says, uh, Canon will introduce unique cameras aimed at younger people later this year. According to Nikon, uh, Nikon, N-I-K-K-A-N, and Photo Rumors websites, Canon will be introducing three new cameras aimed at younger people. The first will be a camera with no screen, referred to as an outdoor activity camera, though that might sound like an action camera of sorts. The prototype looks more like something meant to be clipped to a zipper or a keychain. The next camera that has That's a That's a GoPro. On, Basically, they're coming out with a GoPro. The GoPro has a screen. Does it? I believe so. I don't know. Okay. The next is a camera that has a button. Oh, that's going to be in retractions next week. Hold on, Chris. <laughs> He's writing that down. The next is a camera that has a button allowing it to switch between 100 millimeters and 400 millimeters, only those focal lengths, nothing in between. Finally, the last is a camera that can stand alone with voice and tracking features seemingly similar to an indoor security camera. And so... Um, I guess they're looking at that sort of influencer travel kind of Instagrammy market kind of a thing. I'm not really sure. If you can come out with the next little thing like that, you can make a bundle of money until it gets copied or made pointless. Remember what was the uh, the was it the Zip camera or Zip? Remember for a while everyone had those little video cameras. Uh, they were a little uh, about the size of a fancy lighter. Yeah, and you, and, and remember what this was like those? maybe yeah. ten years ago. Everyone had them, and then like the next year, every phone came out with video built in, and that company crashed. Yep, hard. done. Yep. But I mean, but for like for like a year, everyone had one of those, and it's like and that's what this stuff is. They're always trying. You're always trying to come up with the next little gimmick that that the kids, the kids today, Gary, the kids are gonna These love. These kids. Well, the thing is, my my question is, are is any of this? Because if it's aimed at young people, what's the one thing that young people are never more than six? inches away from their phone their phone and so does any of this replace a phone or functionality that could be added to a phone a 400 millimeter zoom lens that's an optical zoom is actually you know you can't take go birding with your phone of course no, you know no. and we all and as we all know there's nothing young people love to do more than go birding birding is a big big with the young people <laughs> you know the audubon society is just overwhelming with people under 25 joining um yes. they're you know, actually so. i think they're going to raise the age limit <laughs> because they're getting too many people. Yeah, it's just overwhelmed, you know. And then, or they're going to charge you six hundred dollars to take the class. Bass Pro Shops has completely run out of binoculars. It's, uh, it's yes. a worldwide it's shortage. Just the birders—they love the birding <laughs> in their vans. Wouldn't that be? Wouldn't that be crazy if that was the biggest problem society had? Is that so many kids were into <laughs> bird kids, watching? They love the birding. We've run out of pencils and binoculars like that. Well, I feel just, like that's what this camera is. A hundred to. 400 is basically, here's a camera that's just meant for taking telephoto pictures. I guess. That too, you know, I zoom, I, you know, I, I don't know. How much are these cameras going to cost? Because if, unless these cameras are going to come in at under 100 bucks, you're better off just buying like that 
Canon or Nikon super zoom camera that goes everywhere from 45 to 1200 millimeters or something along those lines. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I, again, I think that most of the functionality of stuff like this is going to be info. Because like if your phone does pretty close to what are most of it already, what are you going to add this extra thing on for, you know? So like my, my big debate is just bringing anything beside my phone when I travel because it's just so convenient. And I'm already going to have it on me anyway. So I still feel like I still feel like one company tried to do it. They didn't quite do it right. But I still think there is a market for somebody to come up with a little bit of a shell that your camera can pop into that really has some incredible DSLR style functionality, like a really good optical zoom. Mm. that sort of thing where you could so you'd have you take your you take your phone with you everywhere and then you also just take this other thing that you can stick you know in your pocket or whatever and pop your phone in there and now you've got your you've got the equivalent of a fuji x100f well what the main thing i think that people are going to want out of any device is for those images to get on their phone at the end of it anyway yeah and this makes it easy though because in your phone you're using the phone as your device all right the biggest problem is is that uh you'll fill that thing up uh, with pictures i yes. uh i've got you know, seven or eight thousand photos on my phone right now as we speak, and I'm here's what they sure need. I'm low in space. Oh, here we go! Another million dollar idea. Get the pencil. Okay, out. I'm ready. Pencils out. You need uh, your phone slips into something, and that thing connects to your phone and is able to make your phone's camera simply open up and expose the sensor to the case, so that your phone simply becomes a sensor housing. For your case, which has got your optics in it, your software, etc. And that's your camera. And your phone is just the storage device and the sensor for the camera case that goes around your phone. So you just slap your phone in there. It's a camera. Boom, 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 boom. Take your phone out. Everything is in there. But it's much cheaper because, you, I, mean, how, I mean, how much of the cost of a camera is the chip? I, I couldn't say. It's got to be pretty expensive. The chip I, I would guess, but then it would have to retract it next week. Yeah, there you go. So if you could figure out a way to just fix it so that the, the phone itself, and I love this hypothetical. You hate this stuff, but I love the hypothetical. I, I like, hate, like, it, hate it so I almost much. put you to sleep two weeks ago or a week ago when I started off on my rant about how, the, when you think about it, cameras don't have to be shaped the way. They don't have to be shaped the way they are, Gary. It's when I start looking at the pen on my desk and thinking about jamming it into my neck. Like just just bleeding out all over my desk so that I don't have to Why listen to this anymore. This way, and you are only interested in like the nuts and the bolts, and I'm interested in the in the meta. And <laughs> like, you know, why are phone? Why why are cameras still shaped like they have film in them? I'm pretty sure we're gonna have to retract your use of meta, and there you go. but that's cool. <laughs> that's probably you know, true. Oh man, I'm just. But you know about- what I'm saying, right? I, you see what I'm saying, right? If you could, if you, the chip. And there's some optics, and there's all the software that's built into your phone. All that's done for you. You're, you're designing a camera where somebody is giving you the chip and all that other stuff. So how come someone hasn't figured out how to do that? There's a really good reason. No one cares. I would care. Yeah, but and, that's you. And then, because and then, then you wouldn't have to have a Fuji X100F. You just have this thing that goes on your camera. I mean, what are you phone. doing here, wasting your ideas on this podcast? Go for the good of the world, for the good of yes. the nation. If I had, listen, if I had the skill to get something like that done, I would. Well, there you have it. So if you have any electrical, mechanical engineers, uh, drafts people, and uh, well, I don't know what other type of people do stuff like that uh please email questions at photobombpodcast.com Ray would love to rant at you for about 45 minutes <laughs> until you're ready to jam a pen into your jugular. i can't be the only person to think of it my i'm sure that there's somebody out there who could tell me oh here's exactly why we can't do that I, I, the, the main thing would be the cost would be prohibitive i would think and it would be it would be a waste of money compared to just buying a decent camera to take along with you too. It's like the difference in size, the difference in cost, it would be just as yeah, near as enough as makes no difference to bringing something like a Fuji X100F along with you. I don't know. I don't know. You're talking, all you've got to, all you have to do in the case is optics and some sort of electronic shutter. That's it. Everything else is already built into the phone. Okay. I mean, all, all you're really looking for is zoom lenses and the ability to have a little bit more control over, like, you know, shutter speed and stuff like that. If it will get you to stop talking about it, I'll agree. You keep continuing it. <laughs> you are. Calmer than you are. Calmer <laughs> right. you are. All right, we're done. I'm just saying. <laughs> I think there's a market there. No, there's to- totally, totally. So um, if you've got an idea, please sketch it on the back of a Hooters napkin and uh, mail it to questions. 
at photobombpodcast.com. We would love, love to hear from you. Just a little bit of feedback from the page before we say goodbye. Um, We posted an article um, from F-Stoppers a couple weeks ago. But would you buy a full-frame camera if it had no viewfinder? And so uh, this is the feedback we got. Tim writes in, I would prefer to have a viewfinder. The reason behind this being is I have yet to see a screen on the market that I can see well enough on the brightest days to make an accurate focal decision with or tell if the exposure is correct. Pete says I would buy one if it didn't have an LCD. Treat it like a film camera and go back to knobs and dials with only small screen for settings but no image preview. That would be interesting. Brooke says, nope, I need the viewfinder and will pay for it. Bruce says, not me, but I can definitely see a market. Most consumers don't use a viewfinder now. All very interesting. Thank you guys for that feedback. Incidentally, I did a shoot this week, do a modeling portfolio shoot outside. And I, you know, we don't, most of my shoots are in the studio and it was not a cloud in the sky, a hundred degrees outside, bright, shining sunlight. And uh, I really could have used the Hoodman loop. <laughs> yeah, the Hoodman loop. <laughs> like I could not see. Luckily, I was using a light meter and a color checker, and so all my exposures came back. But when it is that bright outside, you cannot see crap on the back of your screen. So it's a real strong argument for, for a viewfinder. And for me, I could have used having that Hoodman loop out the there. The Hoodman loop would have helped you out quite a bit. <laughs> all right, it's about time to uh, wrap up the big show, I think. Sadly, yes. Uh, and and coming up is the uh, the Fourth of July weekend holiday. Uh, if you're listening to this in real time with most of our listeners, and I just want to say, um, don't don't blow your hand up with fireworks. No. Don't shoot fireworks at models, and no. uh, don't drink too much and handle fireworks. Uh, and we'll just... give you a fair warning now that the we will have a show out uh, just after the Fourth of July. But I think the week after that we are taking a week off. We are. We're vacation. both on vacation. Yeah. yeah so we're on vacation. Uh, you can find us online at Facebook.com/slash/photobombpodcast. You can find us at photobombpodcast.com. Gary is at HughesFiorelli.com. Yep. I'm at BlueRayPerry.com, and you can email us questions at photobombpodcast.com. We'll see you back here next week. See you later. <laughs> <laughs>